0: Welcome to another episode of the Stoic Creative broadcast, where the art of living intersects with the creative process. This is where I introduce you to the great work and insights of today's leading advocates and practitioners of purposeful creation and thriving artistry. I'm your host, Scott Peary, author of The Stoic Creative, Identify Your Purpose, Develop a Resilient Mindset, and Deliver Better Work to the Right People available now on Amazon, or visit thestorecreative.com to download the free chapters. Get the goodness, get guided, and get going. Let's meet today's guest. Let's meet today's guest, Dr. Walter Maywuchuk. Walter, welcome to the broadcast. Please introduce yourself to our audience and share a project that you're currently working on or excited about.
1: Okay. So um, my name is Dr. Walter Matwechuk, and I'm a clinical psychologist and an adjunct faculty member. So I practice full time. I see over 30 patients, clients, people per week um, in individual psychotherapy. But I also train young psychologists who are looking to uh, practice rational emotive behavior therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I have a private practice here in Philadelphia. I practice at the University of Pennsylvania. And then once a week, I travel up to New York City, Greenwich Village and teach um, in the Department of Applied Psychology at New York University, where I teach cognitive behavioral psychology. Um, I do a little bit of writing. Um, I recently produced this book, A Newcomer's Guide to Rational and Emotive Behavior Therapy, which was oriented, which is written for mental health professionals. But I have a website, rebtdoctor.com, Doctor, R-E-B-T where lay people can go to learn the principles of rational and emotive behavior therapy and Um, learn to help themselves. There's tons of free audio and video, and they also can um, sign up for my intermittent reinforcement email message, which is something that comes on an intermittent basis and is aimed to um, prod you to utilize the principles of Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy in order to help you cope with the adversities of your life and achieve your own creative personal goals. So um, I see myself as having two mission, two, two simultaneous missions. One is to uh, help people help themselves and two to educate professionals so they can help people help themselves.
0: That is fantastic. So it's interesting that you, um, I, I love how clearly uh, you've articulated your purpose, which of course is a very, very stoic thing to do. And um I've been to your website and I am uh, receiving your intermittent reinforcement emails, which I recommend everybody sign up for. It is uh, absolutely free. They do come about every three, four days or so, always uh, give me a cause to pause and think about things a little bit more deeply, which is a welcome addition to my morning routine. Um, REBT psychology, CBT has some roots in in stoicism. Uh, I am somewhat aware of that, but could you unpack that a little bit further for our audience? Absolutely. Um, Albert Ellis, who I personally worked with and
1: trained with for um, a great number of years, was the person who created Rational Emotive Behavior Therapy starting in 1955, when he became dismayed with the inefficiency of traditional non-directive, and or psychoanalytical backward uh, looking psychotherapy. And he, um, in his um, typical way, which was to uh, be efficient, he integrated elements of Stoic philosophy, um, ancient and modern philosophy into the practice of psychotherapy, but he heavily borrowed from Stoicism. And so um, REBT really, if you like Stoicism, you'll love REBT. And right now there is a huge wave and energy, which I think is just wonderful, of people looking to adopt stoicism to the modern era. And if you have that as your personal goal or professional goal, then you really preferably should expose yourself to rationally emotive behavior therapy because that's what rationally emotive behavior therapy is. It's a philosophy and a psychotherapy that is heavily... um, borrowing from stoicism but it's packaged in a way that people can i think it's a little bit in some ways more accessible simply because um for example i um um, um started read, listening to and reading the Enchiridion and the discourses and um the reason i got into stoicism was because i wanted to enhance my knowledge of rbt i'm a psychologist and i always felt that i knew i had done the cliff notes you know i didn't understand the the foundational work. So that's how I kind of got involved in stoicism. And when I started reading Marcus Aurelius and um, Epictetus, it was a little bit like reading Shakespeare at first. You had to kind of get used to the language. And I probably have listened to the Enchiridion um, maybe 25 times on, on audio tapes, walking back and forth to work, But um, and read some other documents too. But the point I'm getting at is REBT is in um, plain and simple English, and you can quickly, it's got some basic ideas that are heavily derived from Stoicism, but that you quickly can um, intellectually understand and then hopefully emotionally implement them.
0: At the uh, end of my uh, dis- conversation with Dr. Uh, Debbie Jaffe Ellis, who is Albert Ellis' widow, she took out his copy of uh, at the believe it was the uh and opened it up That's and funny. showed all of Albert's I mean he he marked that thing up and and he in the margins you could see him you know sometimes agreeing but sometimes having heated disagreements on Epictetus right. with the Epictetus it was really um a, a profound moment mm-hmm. um and so i'm just curious did um for you did your study of RE BT uh, come before your study of stoicism or vice versa. Oh yes,
1: yes, 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 definitely. I um, y- you should understand that I went to the University of Pennsylvania as an undergraduate and there worked with uh, Tim Beck, who um, is a psychiatrist and uh, was into uh, created what's called cognitive therapy. And um, I went to work with him because I always wore glasses, and it was intuitive to me to um, help myself by learning to clean the lenses by which I looked at the world in order to not feel so down if I performed poorly, say, on the athletic field, or didn't do as well as I would have liked in prep school. And so that 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 process of testing um, a hypothesis or a thought you have to see if it jives with reality was intuitively appealing. And so I, uh, being the aggressive student I was, marched myself into uh, Dr. Beck's clinic and got myself involved there heavily and learned Beck's cognitive therapy. But then I, um, um, at a meeting, got introduced to Albert Ellis and his colleagues and recognized that um, there was an opportunity to learn this other cognitive behavioral therapy, um, which predates actually Beck's work, and that was different. And at first, it I didn't quite understand how it was different, but, once I began to understand that difference, I was drawn to it. And I think it has a distinct advantage over the more uh, currently popular cognitive behavioral therapy, which is the Beckian approach. And consequently, I studied with Albert, and, um, and then after I, I worked with Albert for uh, probably about seven to eight to 10 years, and um, still consider myself related to the Albert Ellis Institute, but now I practice independently and um, I'm always trying to get better at what I do. I don't understand why people get trained in a psychotherapy and then try to uh, do something else um, unless, they, unless they're unless they dismayed with what they've been trained in. So I've been always just trying to deepen my skill in cognitive behavioral therapy and rational emotive behavior therapy. And that's how I came to stoicism because I said, you know, Albert says, R.E.B.T. is an amalgamation of ancient and modern philosophy. Well, why don't you go and read the original text and connect the dots, Walter? So that's when I started, uh, I met, I met um, um, Epictetus, uh, Marcus Aurelius. I haven't really dove too deeply into Seneca, but I did meet Massimo Puglici, so that's almost uh, as good as meeting Seneca and um, Greg Lopez, other uh, contemporary uh, Stoics. So that's my path to Stoicism. It was through uh, both cognitive therapy and REBT.
0: Really interesting. So I, I am a, uh, aware of the, the Stoic roots of REBT from my conversation with Dr. Debbie, and I'm aware through my conversation with Donald about a little bit about CBT. And before I learned of either of those disciplines, I had read uh, Viktor Frankl's *Man's Search for Meaning*, and of course he lays out his logos therapy. Um, so, since since you're you're here and you, and you are well versed in in I assume all three of these disciplines, could you uh, is it am, I I heard you say that REBT precedes CBT? Oh yes. And logos therapy precedes REBT. Is that fair, or is that? Uh, no, I,
1: I, I honestly must admit, I, I'm not exactly sure when Viktor Frankl uh, formally uh, disseminated uh, logotherapy. But I could tell you that Albert um, first wrote Reason and Emotion in Psychotherapy in 1962. Uh, Tim Beck wrote um, Depression, uh, Theoretical, uh, Experimental, Theoretical, and Clinical Aspects in 1967, which got renamed to uh, Depression Causes and Treatment and it's in mm-hmm. a future publication, in a future edition. So, um, um, I don't know about Viktor Frankl, whether he preceded out or not, um, but that's a great question, which I'll look up after this broadcast. Um, but I'm not so sure he did, or if he did, it was about that time. Albert was a pretty, it was, you know, he started, he started REBT in 55, and, and before that, he was starting to have his doubts about um, 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 psychoanalysis, he wrote before that. In fact, there's a, um, a publication that I read at the Rare Book uh, Manuscript Library at Columbia University where at the age of 19, um, which was probably in the 30s, Albert wrote a manuscript called The Art, How, How to Be Happy or How to Not Be Unhappy. And it's about a 100-page manuscript, and you could see the um, seeds of REBT as we know it today in that manuscript, which was probably produced in the 30s. I think it's called The Art of Not Being Unhappy. Very interesting manuscript. You can read it at Columbia.
0: Oh, interesting. And so what, what, is the, what, what distinguishes REBT from CBT?
1: Well, let's, they're based upon two different models. Beck's model was uh, cultivated in uh, the confines of a clinical laboratory, more or less, where he took um, um, very carefully chosen um, subjects and tested certain hypotheses he had about how to make them better. RABT grew up in the rough and tumble streets of Manhattan, where people came in with multiple diagnoses and said, Dr. Ellis you know, I'm addicted to cocaine, I lost my job, um, my children don't speak to me, and my wife has left me. Can you help me? So there, that gentleman has four diagnoses, probably at the very least. So um, what what RBT did was develop um, a model based upon philosophy. And as you probably know, uh, 2,000 years ago, it was an easy living. You could either be cast to the lions or poisoned or stabbed in the back, literally, unlike what happens today. And so um, stoicism developed to kind of handle these nightmarish adversities that people ran into. Cognitive therapy um, developed with this idea that it's based upon a model that we um, do not uh, process the data of reality accurately. There's an information, information processing deficit. And that what we're going to do is teach people skills to kind of make sure that they perceive reality and draw accurate hypotheses and inferences about reality. So for example, let's assume that after this broadcast, you, you um, poll your, your viewers and um, you, you, you learn that 95% of them don't like what I have to say. Now, I might now say to myself, these people at 11.15, I might say to myself, you know, at the end of this broadcast, many people will not like what I have to say. And, um, and, and, and if Beck were sitting next to me, he would say to me, well, you know, how do you know that? Let's wait until the data comes in at the end of the broadcast and see if that's the case. And in um, and, and, and this way, you can, you know, calm yourself now and proceed naturally. What what Albert would do, would would say, well, let's assume the worst. Let's assume that 95% of the people don't like you. That in fact, your thought that they don't like what you have to say is accurate, that the reality is grim. Well, maybe we can develop or carve out a philosophy that enables you to carry on despite that grim reality. And you see, that's where I think REBT has the um, distinct advantage because there are instances where people definitely uh, read other people's minds and they overgeneralize and they um, selectively attend to some information and disregard some others. And when we show them to kind of test out their thinking, they very often learn that their thoughts are false and that they can update them. And that's the great skill to know. The problem is that sometimes reality is grim. Sometimes your worst nightmare happens. And that's where REBT really shines, where it says, let's assume the worst. Maybe there's a way to carry on. Maybe there's a way. Now, this is where it deviates a little bit, I think, with stoicism insofar as it, it says, maybe there's a way to still have some degree of happiness, even if worst-case scenario um, were to occur so reBT um, I think Ellis barred a little bit from Epicureanism and and other um, approach uh, philosophies where he wanted people to be to have some joy and happiness not that stoicism doesn't want that but I think that what, what one of the most powerful messages and and why I proudly call myself a rationally emotive behavior therapist and and an informal stoic philosopher is because I want people to prepare for the worst case scenario and prevail when that occurs, when children die, when people get cancer, when our wives die, when we fail big tests in life. I want people to be able to uh, accommodate that, that reality, and still have some degree of happiness to go on. That's why I, I tilt heavily towards the REBT idea. Now, the cognitive therapist will, um, I think, I'll remind people, look, if you're acting under a hypothesis that you're going to fail, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with testing it out. That's just smart being a good scientist. And, and, and also, the, to, 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 to just be fair-minded, the cognitive therapist will talk about beliefs and schema and deeper level cognitions like RBT does, but they really delay in doing that. And, um, and, 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 and the model's different. The model stays the same, which is essentially people are prone to misinterpret or misprocess the data of life where rbt starts with this idea that it's the human condition to think irrationally and to demand that the circumstances of life and the people of life and even ourselves be a certain way and and so rbt is much more philosophical
0: interesting and so what's uh, so i love thank you for for laying out that distinction, because it, it definitely helps me understand the difference. And so our, and, and stoicism is, as you indicated, a philosophy that kind of comes of age during really difficult times when individuals face the very real uh, possibility of early death, enslavement, uh, persecution, uh, being <laughs> being removed from their homes and sent elsewhere, being conscripted into military service. and one of the things that seems to be uh, driving the, the resurgence of Stoicism today is that times are appear again to um, be somewhat difficult. You know, the, the world does seem to be a, a far less friendly and far less stable place than it than it was even uh, a decade or two ago. So it's interesting that uh, I, I think that parallel. I want to take a, a little bit of a left turn in our conversation because. Um obviously the folks that are uh, fans of my my page or uh, uh, and, and my work um are self-identifying as creatives or artists in some way. And you know, you have a a a very um I I see your website as as a creative endeavor of yours. You've written uh the book that you've mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast. I want I just w- would love to hear if uh your thoughts, if any, on how your uh, love of Stoic philosophy might inform the way that you approach creative endeavors, even. Yes,
1: um, yes, I got, communicate,
0: I got you. Communicating and, and you know, your practice as, as a doctor, which is also an act of, uh, of creation. Yeah.
1: So so let, let, let's go right to it. Your people want to, they have certain dreams and goals and they want to realize these dreams and goals. They, what do you need to do that? Well, you first need a certain amount of, frustration tolerance which rbt teaches you if like edison he went through i, I think it said supposedly a hundred different elements before he discovered the one that worked and burned brightly and had any kind of staying power to create the electric light bulb if you're going to make it as a creative you're going to have to stick with the process because very few people rise to stardom overnight And so in REBT we teach people what's called high discomfort tolerance or high frustration tolerance, sometimes also referred to as long-term hedonism, whereby we say, we're going to practice, practice, practice in the short run, even if it's time consuming or frustrating in order that we achieve our long-term goal. So REBT says, if you are creative and you want to either play music or sing or act or write or be a scientist, or be a, a, a business person, you had better have high frustration tolerance because anybody who thinks that success comes quickly and easily, forget it, it doesn't work that way. And that you can bear that. You don't have to like that success is, involves a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, but you can accept it. And that you could say, I want quick success, I don't have to have it. It's uncomfortable to struggle with my creative process. It's not unbearable. The struggle is tolerable. It's worthwhile. I commit to the struggle because in the end, I'd rather die sweating and, and having failed at the creative process than have given it a, um, a flash in the pan kind of effort and, and failed that way. One. two all changes all creativity very often meet with a certain amount of resistance from the masses and you had better have unconditional self acceptance if you want to be a creative because by definition you're doing something slightly different and there're going to be people initially who say no no that's crazy or they're going to criticize you because you're going to dis- you're going to produce some sort of disruption in either the market or the way of thinking, and you had better accept yourself and not need approval. So Epictetus says, um, I just like to read this to you because I think it's very relevant here. If you are ever tempted to look at for outside approval, realize you have compromised your integrity. So be satisfied just being a philosopher And if you need a witness in addition, be your own and you will be all the witness you could desire. So I think that you need the ability to accept yourself, to bear both the frustration of short-term failure and bear criticism and attack because no paradigm changes easily. The, the, the existing authority doesn't like to give up power. And therefore, you had better accept yourself and the bow and the slings and the arrows that are going to come at you. And finally, you better be able to take calculated risks. The, the creative needs to tolerate uncertainty and say to themselves, I want to know that this whole effort is going to be worth it in the long run but I can't know that in advance. And therefore I will tolerate the uncertainty that I may fail miserably, or that all this effort will in the end prove to be a waste of time. But nevertheless, I will think rationally and say, I want certainty, but I don't need it. And therefore I will act in the the face of uncertainty and take a calculated risk, not a foolhardy risk, a calculated risk. So REBT teaches you these ideas, these rational attitudes directly. So it's a little bit more accessible to me than Stoic philosophy insofar as it's saying, look, here are the ideas you need to be a good, effective, creative or increase the probability of your success. You need self-acceptance. I can accept me even if you criticize me and tell me I'm wrong, stupid, silly, misguided. That all may prove to be true, but I still can accept myself. Point number one. Point number two, I don't need a guarantee I'm going to be successful and that I can bear any discomfort and frustration that comes with knowing that there's no guarantee that in the end I will be happy and will achieve my goal. But I'm going to toil towards that goal because there's going to be a certain amount of meaning and purpose that comes from it. And therefore, I think REBT is well suited for anybody who wants to be a musician, an artist, a scientist, or a business, an entrepreneur and, and, and demonstrate creativity in any way, shape, or form.
0: That's, a, that's very well said. It's a, actually, um, a lot of that is, is unpacked in my book. You mentioned the, the Epictetus quote, the, the, the quote that starts mine. Uh, it comes from Marcus Aurelius, who says, "Love the humble art that you have learned, and take rest in it." And it's to me, it's saying the work itself is the reward. That yeah. chasing fame, chasing fortune, um, those are those are unwise motivators and unwise aspirations. Your aspiration and Stoicism is a, is a philosophy that asks us simply to to cultivate and develop our virtue by. Um, developing our capacity for reason and our capacity as social human beings. Um, Reasoned dialogue is what the process
1: is that we're talking about here. Reasoned dialogue with ourselves internally and between each other, which is a little bit on short supply these days. Yeah.
0: Well, that's uh, the, the, the one of the, the first assertions I make is that there's a difference between being a creative and being an artist. Everybody is a creative. We're in engaged in an act of creation just in this conversation, but an artist is somebody who creates and then holds it out to the world and says, here, I made this, I hope you like it, but has to have the resilience um, to... And, the, and be willing to accept that people will ignore it, people will misunderstand it, people may even hate it. And you said, this Thank "You for creating it, right? Yeah, well, and I think that's a create an artist's job is to create, as you said, change to create transformation. And uh, nobody um, is, not very many people are comfortable with that. Not just established." Institutions, but people in general do not uh, welcome change very, very often in well, their lives. Well,
1: REBT has an explanation for that, that. That essentially change is uncomfortable. And we call that um, discomfort disturbance in REBT. People come into the world wanting to be comfortable. And I think that institutions are made of people. So institutions want to be comfortable. And so we naturally say, it's uncomfortable change. I can't stand it. It must not occur. And what REBT teaches you is to say, well, like like stoicism, welcome what happens. This is the path to peace. I can stand change as change occurs. It's not uncomfortably unbearable. It's not it's not unbearable. It's uncomfortable, yes. Unbearable, no. And therefore, I will roll with the punches of life because I have high discomfort tolerance that comes from the attitude that change is a part of life i can bury it's not the end of the world
0: yeah well and stoicism really gives us that ability to yes put, have some perspective about our own significance and importance in the world and to reminds us that when we are gone it is likely that we and everything that we did will soon be forgotten um, and I, I find that 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 uh, somewhat comforting. It makes, it actually gives me the ability to be more courageous in in sharing my work and, and putting things out there before they may be polished to perfection. Um, Dr. Uh, Walter Matwichuk, it has been really a pleasure speaking with you on this Sunday morning, um, at least here on the East Coast. I, one more time, would you please just uh, remind our viewers where they can connect with you outside of the broadcast?
1: Yes. Please go to my website, R as in rational, E as in emotive, B as in behavior, T as in therapy, and then the word doctor.com, rebtdoctor.com. and There you'll find free audio, free video, my blog, and you can sign up for my intermittent reinforcements. You'll see links to books that you could buy on R-E-B-T. Most, I've only written two books that are linked there. The rest of them are all written by other authors like Wendy Dryden, Albert Ellis. And then there are uh, audios that are linked there to actually Albert Ellis talking about how to cope with difficult people. So I'm really trying to create um, a place where people can go to learn and this stuff to help themselves and teach it to other people. Because I think that uh, the world would be a better place if we all, We're better at tolerating um, ourselves, tolerating other people, and tolerating the uh, difficulties of life.
0: Excellent. Well, I love your mission which is to help, other, uh, help people help themselves. It's been uh, a treat to, to speak with you. And we're going to uh, go ahead and be signing off the live broadcast. So thanks everybody for tuning in. If you're still with us, we appreciate your time and attention. You can help ensure the continued development and delivery of this broadcast. Simply visit thestoiccreative.com. In the upper right hand corner, you can click on the fuel tab and then decide what to do next. Now go out there and share your best work with those that need it and we'll look forward to seeing you in season two. Thank you again, Dr. Walter Matwichuk. Thank you very much for this opportunity. It's been fun. Did you enjoy this episode of The Store Creative? Well then help me spread the goodness and leave a five-star review on iTunes. Tell a friend about the podcast or email me at Scott at the Stoic Creative and tell me what you think or who I should have on next. It's always great to hear from you. Remember, you can access all the video versions of these interviews at theStoreCreative.com. While you're there, grab the free chapters of my book, The Stoic Creative. Identify your purpose, develop your resilience, and deliver better work to the right people. Thanks a lot for tuning in and for your support and participation. We'll see you next time bait permitting.